0: Actually, this one night that I was hallucinating under ayahuasca deep uh, in the experience, I had a vision of Ron Paul came to me and I just heard that, like, nothing can stop an idea whose time has come. And I was like, oh, my God.
1: Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back, Liberty Lex Luthers, to another edition of Lions of Liberty, your home for great conversations about the ideas of liberty, and I'm pretty excited today. Not just about the great conversation that you're about to hear, but about the fact that I'm finally back home in the Lions of Liberty studios in sunny Los Angeles, California, after doing this show from the fine state of Utah for a few weeks. And and Utah, you are lovely, your people are nice, but Los Angeles, you are my home. And I'm glad to be back here to record this episode, which is episode number 248 of this program, which means, of course, that you can find the show notes featuring links to everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash 248 for your convenience. Today, we are sponsored by Health Excellence Select. And guys, with the open enrollment period coming up, many of you have major health care decisions to make. We want to help make it a little bit easier on you. So why not check out a great free market alternative to your standard Obamacare insurance by heading over to lionsofliberty.com health. Here with me today is the co-host of the part of the problem show with our good friend Dave Smith. He is also the host of his own podcast called Mycadelic, which focuses on the benefits of psychedelics and argues the moral right To cognitive liberty for all human beings—something I know people that listen to this show are going to mostly agree with. You can find all of his work over at mikebrank.com. I am pleased to welcome Mike Brancatelli. Mike, are you ready to roar?
0: I've been roaring so loudly all day that I've been ruining microphones. So I am so ready to roar. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Destroying (laughs) microphones with your roar—that's a powerful roar.
0: Yeah, man. (laughs) That's good stuff. I've been roaring since the day I was born.
1: Cool, brother. Well, I I just want to start right off. We'll we'll dig into your various passions, but on your website you mentioned that you're passionate about three things. And those three things are liberty, psychedelics, and personal development. So we're gonna start with the first one. Why don't you just tell everybody out there how you first became interested in the ideas of liberty and in libertarianism overall?
0: Yeah. So it was kind of slow for me, actually. Like I, I was pretty much like apolitical like my whole life. I, I just didn't care. And uh I graduated college like as soon as the, like the second the recession hit, like I graduated college and the recession was like full on. And I was like, Oh great. I'm going to have a hard time getting a job now. And, uh, a buddy of mine was, I I had a roommate that was living in New York city. He was going to Stern school, business school, and he was into business and the stock market and everything. And he was explaining all these things to me. And he one day just handed me this book uh, Peter Schiff, like how, how an economy grows and why it crashes. And he's like, yeah, take a look at this, man. It explains everything that you're not hearing on television. You know, I was like, what? I thought television tells is good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Television tells me everything I need to know.
0: Yeah. I was like, what? It tells me what to watch, what to eat, what to think. What more do I need? Right. Like Homer Simpson, you know, (laughs) just like television is my friend. So I read this book and it really hit home for me because I had just graduated school. I was having a hard time getting a job. I had these student loans. And this guy, Peter Schiff, was just breaking it down in such a way that really resonated with me. So I wanted to follow up more of his work. And that led to... Tom Woods and I was watching Tom Woods videos. And then I'm like, what is this Mises Institute? I never, I've heard, surely I've heard of Harvard. I've heard of, you know, I've heard of all these other places, but what is this Mises, you know? And, uh, so I discovered Mises and I'm like, all these guys are, are super smart. And, and I had this moment where I was like, wait a second, I'm not crazy. Like all these kind of ideas that I've, I've always kind of thought, uh, are being confirmed in like a legitimate academic way. And then I found Ron Paul and then it was, game over from there pretty much uh, opened my eyes
1: it's interesting that it's it's those guys that the tom Woods, the peter Schiffs that led you to ron paul because so many people that I, I speak with come at it the other way they hear about ron paul they see a you know they saw him in the debate or something in 2008 they saw a youtube video and then they kind of went down that rabbit hole and found all these other guys you kind of reverse engineered this thing you kind of did it the <laughs> other way you you stumbled upon this peter schiff book and and kind of you know just stumbled backwards into ron paul in a way
0: yeah, it was like it's kind of a backdoor uh, awakening, I guess I call it. And uh, yeah, because I just wasn't interested in politics. Like I still kind of have a hard time getting into the nitty gritty of of politics. But I was very much interested in like psychology and philosophy, and I, I did want to kind of know about why we were in this recession and why I couldn't get a job and how come my student loan payments uh, were, you know, the interest was going up and all this stuff was happening to me. So, yeah, it kind of led me to that way. And then, yeah, Ron Paul. And then I just started obsessing about Ron Paul and I started reading. You know, I educated myself actually more out of college than in.
1: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I think that's the case for well, just about everybody at this point, but you know, you kind of bought into what we all bought into, what I bought into. You just do what you're told. You know, you're told to go get a high school diploma, and then you're told to go apply to a college, and then you're told to get your college degree. Then you're told to well, you could go to grad school, but most of you are just going to go get your 40 hour a week job, and that's going to pay off your student loan. So don't worry about that. No big deal. And then you're going to buy your house. You're going to have your wife and two kids, and then you're just going to you're just going to go by the script. But that isn't really how reality actually works out for a lot of people, especially when a lot of people. Re- Realize that the things they were told about how things are supposed to work uh, don't really work that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of always like since since I was a kid, like I always had this feeling of you know I just didn't like authority. Didn't have any kind of respect for authority figures and stuff. But there was this kind of like overarching, if you don't do what you're told, you're going to be like a homeless bum on the street dancing for nickels. So I'm like, all right, well, I don't want to do that. So I'll go get my education. I'll do everything. But yeah, like you said, when it didn't really turn out that way. And then I just kind of like took a look behind this curtain and I discovered all these other guys that were just speaking the truth. And it was just undeniable from that point on, you know.
1: Is that what really stood out to you about their works, then, whether it's Peter Schiff, whether it's Ron Paul speaking at a debate, is it really that, that that feeling, that sense, more than the specific facts of the statements that they're making, which obviously, when they're true, those those are going to resonate more, but it's more just the way that they say things, where it doesn't feel like it's canned, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're trying to BS you, it feels like they're just really trying to speak the truth to you, and and the, and the way that the truth, I think, comes into our brain and comes, comes across from someone that's truly passionate, it just registers in us so much differently than, than a politician just reading his script and reading his seventeen talking points and, and directing to to his website. And that's that's something that Ron Paul never did. I don't think he mentioned that he had a website ever. I mean he just he just went out there, ranted for as long as they would let him and then, you know, moved along to the next thing. And but I think that's what really stood out about Ron Paul to so many people and, and what more so than even the specifics of the philosophy that he was trying to put forward was just the fact that it was so obvious that the guy is just different than everybody else because he's out there to speak the truth or speak what he feels the truth anyway
0: yeah and look it was just like I I've always been sort of kind of aggressive in my approach with with things through my life kind of bucking the system bucking authority and But I never really had like the academic like background of like why. Like I didn't know why things were wrong. I just knew something was wrong. So when I heard Ron Paul up there on the stage, just like, yeah, look, taxation is theft. Abolish the IRS. These wars are unjust. People are dying. I was like, holy, like this is the bold, unapologetic conviction of this guy to stand up there. And he just – it was like cutting through the matrix. Like everybody else is just like, oh, you know, these robot zombies up there with these – platitudes and talking points and all this nonsense, and then you hear this guy speaking these things, and then, of course, I'm running over to the computer, and I'm trying to download every everything on Mises that I could find and, and confirm it all, and it, and, and it confirms. It works out for me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think we all sort of go through that phase when we first become interested in the, these ideas. We say, "Okay, this guy said some true stuff, and uh, I need to find more out more about it." But then you're like, you realize there's like 17 other people or organizations or whatever out there that have already written all these books about it. They're already giving all these seminars about it, and now we have the internet, so it's all right there. You don't have to like fly to Auburn to to go get a you know a seminar at the <laughs> Mises Institute. You yeah. can sit in your apartment and get it. So right. I think we yeah. all go through that phase where we're sort of hyperly trying to feed ourselves information because I, and. That's that's how i was and now i'm trying to do the opposite and sort of disseminate some of that information but uh, what what really i guess what was it that that made you hunger for more and thirst for more was it just an insatiable appetite for the truth
0: yeah i think so i cuz like i said I, I just i always kind of had this feeling inside of me that whatever was going on was not really something that, you know, people were always telling me, go to school and, you know, listen to your teachers and do all this stuff. And I just always felt like, I don't really want to do this. And I don't know why everybody's telling me that I should do this when I feel like I should do something else. So when I, when I found an alternative way of thinking, when I found like answers to, to problems that actually made sense to me and that were backed up, by people who are intelligent, you know, people who have attended these universities and have these degrees. I, I, I did have a feeling like, Oh wow, this is something that's out there that now I can access and that I can actually fill my appetite for curiosity and truth. And that, uh, you know, I can maybe be a voice for spreading this message myself one day, I guess, you know, I didn't know if I necessarily thought that at the time, but now I sure do.
1: So Mike, this is not a question. I don't think I've ever asked a guest before, but what I want to know now is when did psychedelics come into play for you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool. And,
1: and, well, I, and I and I got to think that in some way that they did sort of tie into your. Uh, this is just an assumption I'm making that into your your quest for truth, your quest for knowledge in the
0: world. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be the first uh, person to ever get that question. That's an honor. And um, yeah, so so this all this stuff was kind of happening for me, like around like you know, 2011, 2012. So right as kind of Ron Paul was running in that, in that season. And, and I, and I had, um, I just read like Steve Jobs's biography. I was a huge, like Apple nerd, like Steve Jobs. Like I would watch every keynote speech and, you know, he, he mentioned how like taking LSD, was a, a very important thing that he did in his life. And I was like, well, surely if this you know, entrepreneurial, successful guy says that, then there must be something to it. So I started to kind of read and research about it. And, and very similar to the way that I was kind of discovering libertarianism in this kind of backdoor way, this is kind of the same thing with psychedelics. I had just been taught my whole life that if you take LSD or jump out of a window, you'll go insane. These are bad drugs that make people crazy, and I started to like read and research and dig and find out all this stuff about how they were kind of started uh, at Harvard by Timothy Leary and this guy Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass, went on to write a book called *Be Here Now*. So. I started digging into this like this web and 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 yeah really I, I just was like well I mean you know this this sounds like there's some sounds like there's some more information that the state is keeping away from me I better investigate this myself and uh you know lo and behold I I took uh took matters into my own hand and uh <laughs> you know discovered that uh there's some some benefits to to these things and there's some fun to be had for sure and uh so yeah it's kind of like I was discovering this at the same time. I was kind of like digging more into libertarianism. And I, I kind of thought the two were kind of connected. You know, as individual freedom, self ownership, uh, the right to explore our minds, expand our minds, and and uh, think differently. As 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 my uh, hero at the time, Steve Jobs would have said.
1: Can you? For I know a lot of people listening now probably. Maybe I'm sure some percentage of my audience has tried psychedelic drugs. Uh, I don't know what, what that percentage is. Maybe I'll, I'll post a survey in our private group at the Lions of Liberty Forum. You guys can all go and become members of that for free by just typing Lions of Liberty Forum in your search bar. Got to get my plugs in, you know? Yeah. But can you maybe describe you know, what what a psychedelic drug does to you? Maybe you can even speak to a specific psychedelic that, that you tried. or well, Actually, what was the first psychedelic drug that you actually tried? That's what I'm curious about.
0: I think I, like when I was in high school, I think I kind of played around a little bit with some stuff, but I never really had like a, like a profound experience. But, uh, the first real kind of profound experience I had was, uh, I went to a music festival and I took uh, LSD and once again, I said like, this was in my obsession with Steve jobs phase. I was reading his biography and, you know, I I really had like a thirst uh, hunger to be kind of like entrepreneurial in what I was doing. I was working for a startup at the time and I was trying to think outside the box, think creatively. Like, how can I, you know, how can I contribute something of value to the world? How can I be like this jobs guy, you know? And uh, so I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. But uh yeah, I, I took LSD for the first time in 2012 where I had this really profound experience and it was nothing like what, you know, the scare tax, the tactics that we've been told, you know, in like the dare program or whatever. I mean, it was it was beautiful, it was amazing, it was uh it was eye-opening. I felt really smart. Like I felt like I had a <laughs> I felt like I had a lot of information uh just Coming to me, I felt like, and you know, studies have shown now that LSD actually connects uh, disparate areas, you know, uh, different areas of the brain that normally wouldn't be connected. Uh, they help actually uh, improve and grow brain cells. Psilocybin mushrooms is another one that does that, and so I didn't know this at the time, but I definitely felt. Very turned on, very in tune, very keyed in. And I definitely felt a sense of euphoria. But most of all, I I felt a a large – like just a, a consuming amount, amazing amount of knowledge. I was just consuming it all as it was coming in at rapid fire speed
1: that's the interesting thing to me about psychedelic drugs is that from so many experiences that people describe they're not they're not something foreign to your body foreign to your mind they really are just really seem to be igniting parts of your brain that might not always be active or as you stated there uh sort of connecting parts of your brain in, in a different way so they're not and, and it's interesting i mean i know i've read a lot about dmt and how i mean that's something that our brain actually produces already um, yeah and, and so many of these chemicals that are in these psychedelic drugs are, are already produced by our body these drugs just kind of give us a little extra boost or give a little impetus to to sort of ignite them does that, does that sound accurate to you at all <laughs>
0: No, yeah, definitely, and one of the most interesting things I've I've always been interested in dreams. I've always had very vivid, very realistic dreams, and we now know that DMT is actually released in REM sleep uh, through our pineal gland in our brains uh, while we dream. So you know, it's it's it is kind of this weird thing. Like we all go to sleep at night. You know, our bodies are motionless, but our minds are active somehow, some way, and we're all kind of just hallucinating. And nobody really knows uh, exactly what's going on or why, but essentially that's what's happening. So it seems, it's very interesting to me that we also have other substances that can act as these tools that we can use in our waking state of consciousness to enhance certain things, whether it's like going to a movie, you know, if you smoke a joint, maybe before you go to a movie or, you know, there were there were tests uh, on LSD the, in Stanford University back in, in the 60s when it was legal. They were giving LSD to people in Silicon Valley that were struggling trying to solve a problem. And I know a lot of people in Silicon Valley use that s- today as well, uh, even though it's still illegal. Don't tell anyone. But uh <laughs> But it does kind of enha- cognitively enhance you. Uh, and I, I look at it like that. I look at it as a tool to cognitively enhance certain functions that I'm doing, certain activities that I'm partaking in. And uh, uh, yeah, And but just like anything, it could be abused. It could be used wrongly, you know. But yeah, does that kind of answer uh, your question or –
1: yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting that you even mentioned that so many people that you know we would consider successful. I mean, starting with who you mentioned earlier, Steve Jobs and and many people in, in, in Silicon Valley use these drugs today to actually enhance the the studies they're doing, enhance the research they're doing, enhance what they're doing professionally, where we have this stigma in the world where anybody who is a drug user of any kind generically is a loser, a failure, is obviously just down and out on their luck. But that really does not is not the case. That's not the reality with people who use any kind of t- uh, drugs, including psychedelic drugs, and as you said, anything can be abused. Uh, you know, I, I probably don't think there's many CEOs that have a heroin problem. Then again, maybe <laughs> there are. I don't. I don't know. Uh, but, but point being, for, for whatever reason, and I don't know exactly where they started. I mean, Richard Nixon basically we know now uh, started the war on drugs overall basically to to throw minorities in jail and to crack down on peace activists. I mean, this is yeah, all, yeah. all completely known information. But, I mean, why is this stuff still illegal in 2016? <laughs> I mean, I think things are changing. Now, I know there's uh, an organization who's actually uh, – several organizations actually that are starting to do work on actual medical research. And they actually have gotten permission from from the FDA. To do research using uh, ecstasy, I know MDMA is something that they they started that on. It they have actually shown that it can help people with PTSD, people with other mental problems, and even just for normal therapy, it helps people that can are just having marital problems. They can go and take a little MDMA and sit with a therapist. Three hours later, like things are way better because it just like we said before, it helps them tap into uh, you know whether it's information or perhaps just emotions that they weren't really connecting with before. So by all yeah. accounts, these drugs have so many ways to help people. Whereas I don't think there's ever been an LSD overdose. I mean, I know that people have probably taken too much and maybe done something crazy because of that, but you can't really overdose on, on a, lot of, a lot of these substances. So what do you think that the push is for now where they're still holding on to this and still keeping it illegal and making making criminals out of people that use these drugs?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of people in the current power structure that's operating, you know, that 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 makes a lot of money off of this, you know, makes a lot of money off of the war on drugs, uh, that benefits off of it being illegal. And, you know, that's that's so there's definitely financial uh aspects to it. I think there's a little kind of deep rooted puritanical, uh ethical, moral thing to it as well. Some somehow drug people that use drugs are seem uh are, are perceived as uh, you know, not proper individuals to be in a in a society or, you know, not kind of people that we would want to have in, in society. But uh, I, I think most of all, I think mostly psychedelics really kind of provoke this unconventional thought, you know, and it's it's kind of hard to, you know, if you want to have the biggest empire that the world has ever seen, it's kind of hard to control people, if everybody's expanding their minds, thinking differently, discovering that they're all free, uh, individuals and that they all own themselves and they own their minds and, you know, that peace and unity and and love and all these things that people experience under these drugs are very congruent with like libertarianism and freedom and everything like that. So, uh, I think it's, it's, it's keeping people under control, which is kind of scary to think of because I, you know, I agree for the right to, Cognitive liberty, the right that we all own our minds, that we can alter our consciousness, that we can explore our minds whichever way we choose. But on the on the flip side of that, it's like as technology advances, you know, there's we already are seeing kinds of of technology that can be implemented into your mind or something like that. So, you know, this is not far off. This isn't really like paranoia, it's not a crazy way of thinking because. This is kind of happening. So we want to make sure that we're already seeing people, you know, being being reprimanded. Free speech and PC culture. You know, I would hate to be living in some kind of dystopian 1984 world where people are happily, voluntarily and planting chips in their head, you know, only to have like another Edward Snowden have to reveal to us, like, hey guys the government's the government's not a benevolent uh bunch of angels. they're actually feeding you uh controlled mind thoughts, you know by the way so, those <laughs> microchips are controlling you. yeah, 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 so it's like you know people should really or whatever, you know it's just it's i, I I'm very concerned about this kind of uh of thing.
1: Mike, we're going to talk a little bit more about how psychedelics and liberty all sort of came together for you in just a minute, but first, I need to tell my listeners out there. A little bit more about our great sponsors at Health Excellence Select. You know, I'm a freelancer and I purchased my own health insurance and I was hit by some serious sticker shock after the implementation of Obamacare. My premiums and deductibles were skyrocketing. And as someone who keeps myself pretty healthy, I knew that I was getting a raw deal for a product I simply didn't want. This caused me to seek an alternative, and I found an amazing alternative in the form of health sharing, a killer concept where healthy individuals agree to share their medical costs. That's right. It's a voluntary free market system for paying for your health care that also, thanks to an exemption, covers the Obamacare mandate. Our friends at Health Excellence Select have kicked it up a notch by creating a full service package to handle all of your health care needs. Trust me, I'm not just a proponent of health sharing. I'm also a client. This has been one of the greatest things I've ever done to leave the Obamacare system in favor of what our friends at Health Excellence Select are doing. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com health. And don't hesitate to give my man Jeff Cantor a call at 440-283-684. Four, nine, be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. So how'd this all kind of come together for you? How did you first hook up with Dave Smith get involved in part of the problem and and'm I'm, I'm curious to what extent your your co-hosting of that show kind of led to your current uh, your solo project here with Mike Delic
0: Yeah, so I met Dave at a comedy club. I was doing comedy at the time and we were just like hanging out. I don't know how this came up. But I was like, yeah, this guy, Murray Rothbard, I just like, you know, <laughs> out of out of all places, you would never think that Murray Rothbard would be brought up at a, at a in a green room at a comedy club. And but he's
1: like, what? You right. Know Murray exa-
0: Rothbard. Exactly. That's exactly what ha- it was like. We're instant was, friends. Ex- I mean, because I, you know, I was kind of doing all this stuff on my own, really, like all this information and reading You know, I go out I do stuff and then I come home and I would just dig into like, you know, human action or like something like that. I think, I don't think I'm through with that book yet. I'm still like halfway no, through
1: it. It's about a 20 year project. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. I mean like the first time I read anatomy of the state, I was like blown away. I'm like, I have to tell somebody about this. So yeah, we met, we started talking. Dave mentioned that he, I think did this podcast, but he wasn't doing it anymore. And I was like, Oh, well, why not? You know? And I, and I just kind of, Went and listened to a couple episodes. He had this, uh, another co host at the time. And I was like, Hey, man, I, <laughs> I got, I need to talk about these ideas with somebody. So I'll bring this back. I'll do whatever we got to do. Let's just, let's just do it. And, uh, we wound up actually just getting into a studio. A studio had contacted us and, and we're like, Would you guys want to do the show here? And we were like, Yep. And then that was it. I think that was around 2014. So I've been doing the show ever since. And it's been great. And I really had just fe- – I'm very passionate about you know psychedelics and psychedelic culture. And I think we're entering this, this psychedelic renaissance as we see. And, and I just – I feel that the, the ideas of liberty and the ideas of, of – uh, the ideas that the kind of psychedelic community preach and practice are in line with each other. And so I, I, I'm trying to create a show – that I'm able to kind of express my ideas about the two topics and also bring other people on to, to talk about those things. And like you mentioned before too, you know, self-development as well. I think that uh, that's, that's very important too. So I try and I mesh that in. So basically my is just, a way for me to kind of explore and expound on more of my interests and, and my passions in uh, a solo project.
1: And those three things, I mean, the more you think about it and the more we talk about it, they're, they're almost the same thing. Liberty, psychedelics, personal development. They are all really about allowing your mind and your body to develop into the the best version of itself, and in order to do that you need the liberty to do that you need people to not you know be physically assaulting you every time you're trying to do different things with your mind and your body uh psychedelics help you connect all these things together and help you have kind of help you grow uh mentally grow as a person and then that all ties into everything you're doing with your personal development so it's it makes sense that you're interested in all these things
0: yeah yeah and 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 you know once again it's it is it's like <laughs> can we just be able to live and be free human beings without having to be thrown in a cage for wanting to better ourselves, you know? Uh, So I, I really feel like by spreading this message, by getting people on my show to talk about these kinds of things, this is like the way that I can contribute to maybe trying to push the agenda forward because you, you have to, change the hearts and minds of of people out there. You have to, uh, people have to be exposed to new ideas. And I think that there's a lot of great people out there. You yourself, you're doing a fantastic job, you know, roaring 24 seven. And, uh, <laughs> and and there's you know then you have like the academic kind of people the Tom Woods and that and the you know some people in the political sphere like uh Ron, you know Ron Paul and 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 so on so but uh, I'm trying to communicate to to people maybe uh of my ilk you know people who who I can relate to maybe somebody who who was apolitical didn't care and kind of turn them on in a way that that I was turned on and and try and provide something for them that is a combination of things you'd be surprised. How many people actually have this combination of the love of liberty and psychedelics and personal development? So I
1: wouldn't be that it's surprised.
0: It's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And I think the, the passion is the important thing here, because that's one thing that I, I think is very, very clear from listening to Part of the Problem and just your show as well. The the passion that you and Dave both have is it just comes across. It's not something you can fake. I mean, it's it's so real when you guys just get on a rant about something that you're not reading a cue card, you're not reading a, pl- a pre-planned promo. And that's something that's so amazing about the podcasting world, about the, the way people are starting to get this information to them because you know, you're not going to get that kind of passion from AM radio. You're, you're not going to get that kind of passion <laughs> from a, a formatted talk show. It's just not there. Uh, whereas in, in podcasting, we have the freedom. There's that word again, the Liberty to do whatever the hell we want, you know, including, Hey, you can, you can take acid and go record a podcast if you want. Maybe you have, I don't know.
0: <laughs> as long as you're not harming anyone else. And yes, I have, I have engaged in, in micro dosing, which is, uh, which is a phenomenal activity. In fact, uh, Mic- micro microdosing LSD uh was said to to be something that uh would replace Adderall or, or uh what is it? Aldous Huxley, yeah. The author Aldous Huxley said uh if uh if LSD had not been so harshly ca- uh scheduled, like as a schedule one drug like it is, that it would be it would have replaced Adderall. So there you go. So it's uh yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And and by the way the the only way to kind of find out about these things is through uh direct experience. You know, but but education, you know, responsible use and then just find out for yourself, you know what I mean? I'm I'm not uh telling anybody that this is the way to go or the only way to go. I mean, there's many ways to go. This just happened to be the way for me, you know. Who who would have known that uh, you know, Ron Paul and LSD could have been uh something that uh you could say in the same sentence, but uh that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hopefully
1: you have a chance to meet ron paul sometime and and tell him how much uh, how he merges with lsd in your world
0: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's i i'll just share a quick story i had a, a recent yeah. uh trip on ayahuasca and uh that, you I, know
1: that's amazing because literally i was about to ask you about your ayahuasca experience I, I swear to god so amazing that you you brought that up yourself so go for it
0: oh cool so I'm in the jungle in Peru, in the Amazon jungle, and I'm sitting in this uh, circle of people from all around the world. And-,
1: and and can you just stop and just like let people know yeah. what ayahuasca is for those that are not familiar with it?
0: Yeah, sir, uh, sure. So ayahuasca is a combination of, of two plants, uh, chacruna and uh, – well, I won't get into the specifics. But basically ayahuasca is a very strong psychedelic. It's been used in indigenous uh, ceremonies in cultures in Peru and whatnot and it's it's basically it, – it contains DMT in it and DMT dimethyltryptamine and the things that we were we were talking about before it's released in your pineal gland when you dream when you when you sleep it's responsible for these kinds of quote unquote hallucinations that we experience while we dream so yeah ayahuasca is is this kind of like ceremonial sacrament that's been used by indigenous uh, peoples and uh, I went there to experience it because I've heard that it really kind of opens you up and connects you and it's good for people with uh, suffering from depression or addiction or you know like I had said before about self improvement kind of things I think there's always room for improvement and I'm kind of willing to go and explore by any means necessary uh, how to be a better version of myself and so that's kind of what I did. And I went to go explore this, uh, this ancient, uh, sacrament ayahuasca.
1: How long does an ayahuasca trip last?
0: Whew. A proxy. Uh, I
1: know you probably didn't have a timer on you, but
0: <laughs> yeah, time does not exist. Um, what is time can last, I think a long time. So probably, uh, six to eight hours, I-, I think something like that. And you were yeah. in
1: what country were you in? You're in the Amazon jungle.
0: Yeah, I was in the and Amazon. you're, you're
1: guided by like – they have like these shaman guides that kind of are there to sort of guide you through the trip. Is that how it works?
0: That's right. Yeah, they actually – they have – this. the place I went to is is amazing. I mean uh, it's run by Western guy, I think a guy from from the United States. And uh, Some so guy they named have,
1: Steve. <laughs> you show so, up in yeah. the jungle. You're like, hey, I'm Steve. Wait wait a minute. You're my guide. <laughs>
0: right. You're a shaman. Yeah, right, right, right. He's just wearing Birkenstocks. He's like, does this <laughs> count? Like, What's up, um, bro? <laughs> but but it is uh you know it's they had all these kind of western doctors uh this guy uh Gabor Mate he's a leading physician that is an expert with addiction and a best selling author his uh, daughter-in-law was there to help. She's a naturopathic doctor, and they had all these professional people there to kind of assist with the with the functioning of the place and to assist with uh, the people there. And then they had, you know, the indigenous, the shamans, the Shapibo people. So it was this interesting, interesting mix of. Uh, of the indigenous uh, cultural people and the and the Western you know doctors and whatnot, so I felt very safe. I felt very comfortable there, and it was it was it was a very eye opening experience. Actually, this one night that I was hallucinating under ayahuasca, deep uh, in the experience, I had a vision of Ron Paul came to me, and I just heard that like nothing can stop an idea whose time has come, and I was like, oh my god, like this is like who would have thought that. I'd be tripping on ayahuasca in the jungles of in the Amazon jungle in Peru <laughs> that and have is amazing. a vision of Ron Paul. Yeah,
1: that is freaking awesome, man. <laughs> and you can hear more about that experience by listening. I, th- I believe you did a whole podcast episode describing your your ayahuasca experience. So we'll link to that. And and why don't you just tell everybody before we let you go how they can find Mike Adelic, how they can find part of the problem, how they can find all of your writing over at MikeBrank.com. Although I guess I just told him.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you can go to Mike Brank. I'll give him a, a, a clue on the spelling, though, because sometimes people mistake it. Yes. So it's it's Brank with a C, B-R-A-N-C, and then Mike Adelic is M-I-K-E-D-E-L-I-C, Mike Adelic. And yeah, you can find me on iTunes. Uh, if you go to my website, I have everything on there. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Mike Brank. And, uh, and yeah, we're on iTunes and part of the problem is also on guestdigitalnetwork.com. You can go there, sign up. We do a live video show that you have access to, uh, over there.
1: Well, Mike, it's been an absolute blast. And if you guys aren't listening to part of the problem and Mike Adelic, then what are you waiting for? Go click off and give them a listen as soon as you finish this episode.
0: Thanks a lot, Mark. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you as well.
1: Mike, it's been a blast. We'll do it again soon.
0: Thanks.
1: All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the great Mike Brancatelli. I do encourage you to check out everything he's involved in, and especially go over to MikeBrank.com and check out his writing. We didn't really touch on that too much, but the guy does some really interesting stuff. He gets really philosophical, and as you guys know, that's what I like to do here as well. So be sure to go check out Part of the Problem, Mike Adelic, MikeBrank.com. You guys will not regret it. And hopefully you will not regret continuing to listen to this program (laughs) and becoming a part of this conversation. And if you're not already, I encourage you to become more a part of this conversation by joining our private Facebook group. That's the Lions of Liberty Forum. You can find that by just typing Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar. It should pop right up. And as long as you look like a real person or maybe have a mutual friend or two, someone we can identify you as as a libertarian type person, someone that should be – in this forum, not say a Nigerian prince or something of that nature. We'll let you right in and you can join this great conversation. And if you continue to enjoy the conversations that you hear on this program three times a week, every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, when my good man John Odermatt steps in with Felony Friday, his weekly look at the criminal justice system, well, there are a few ways you can help us out. And really the number one thing you can do to help this program is to share it with a friend. Maybe you have a friend who's into psychedelics, but they're not all that political. Well, Maybe this would be a good episode to share with them and get those wheels turning a little bit about the ideas of liberty. And admittedly, maybe this is not the best episode to share with grandma, but but either way, word of mouth is how this show has grown and how it will continue to grow. Now, besides sharing the show, besides telling your friends about it, the number one thing that helps the show grow is by you guys leaving ratings and reviews for us, particularly on iTunes. iTunes is still by far the largest market share of podcasts The the algorithms that iTunes use is largely based on the number of subscribers, the number of ratings, and how good those ratings are, so five stars would be great, and the number of reviews. So if you guys can head over to iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes to listen, if you can leave us a rating, a five-star rating, and a great review there, that is a huge, huge help. We, of course, are on many outlets. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play, on TuneIn. Ratings and reviews on any of those outlets, frankly, help us. But iTunes is the major one. That's where we're, we're turning most of our focus to. So any help there Greatly appreciate it from you guys. Now, this coming Wednesday, as you guys know, if you're listening, when the show airs, tonight we have the very first presidential debate. Now, of course, many of us are a little bummed out that Gary Johnson won't be there. Maybe some people are <laughs> relieved that he won't be there. But either way, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have Donald Trump, the guy that everyone's been writing off this whole time, well, except some people, except some people like Scott Adams, except some people here at Lines of Liberty who have been kind of seeing this coming for a while, against Hillary Clinton, and and frankly, there are terrible things about both these people, but it's definitely going to be an interesting experience, and therefore, we're going to gather another crew of Lions of Liberty to break down this debate for you. So that will be airing this coming Wednesday on this program. Be sure to tune back in. Until then, guys, live long! And live free.